Welcome listeners to another inspiring season of the JMT Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Tacarante, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey of exploration, growth, and transformation. In this season, season four, we're diving deep into a theme that resonates not only with the realm of businesses, but also within the very hearts of our communities, peace within your business and within your community. It's a season dedicated to unraveling the threads that connect inner harmony, successful enterprises, and the well-being of the societies we live in. Good afternoon, world. This is Jacqueline Tacarante. I am the host of the award-winning podcast, JMT Media Podcast, and we are here season four and... Look, y'all, we have had so many amazing guests that have come on these past couple of weeks, everyone ranging from Forbes and Fortune 500 winners to small business owners, all the way up to award-winning chefs with multiple locations and multiple dreams. And so it is an honor to have this place and space to really talk about having a peace within your business and within your community to continue to help you thrive. Um, So today I actually have an amazing guest and I'm going to bring her on, um, Miss Wangaji Boa. She's the CEO and founder of Mighty Finn. She's a seasoned professional with over 13 years experience in the microfinance and financial inclusion sector. Um, Her role involves charting an inspiring and challenging course in alignment with Mighty Finn's mission and vision for providing credit to SMEs, particularly women in emerging markets. Um, Ms. Boa oversees all department heads, and in 2022, check this out, she is the Women in Tech competition. She's the winner of the Women in Tech competition in Zambia, and in 2023, she is the Fortune's Most Powerful Woman Mentee, having had the privilege of being mentored at the New York Stock Exchange. Furthermore, she has earned recognition as the winner for Zambia in the 2023 Multi-Choice Accelerator Program, highlighting her remarkable contribution to Africa's promising and rising tech entrepreneurs. She holds a bachelor's degree in development studies, and she's currently pursuing her master's of gender development at the University of Zambia. Miss Wangaji, are you there? I am here, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is all my pleasure. I am so excited to have you on our podcast. First and foremost, what time is it in Africa where you're at right now? So I'm in Southern Africa and it's um, 4 p.m. right now. Oh, okay. So just a little, a little before dinner time. Good. I'm glad. Well, first off, thank you so much for joining. Um, I know you're an extremely busy woman. But let's get right into it. I want to talk a little bit about your experience of how you even got into the financial tech industry, Um, because even here in the States, minorities, women as minority, the financial tech industry reflects less than 12% um, of the minority population. And so I'm very curious to, to learn more about how you even got involved in that, because I think a lot of times young women can feel like, oh, it's overwhelming. I don't want to get involved. Um, but it's also very empowering. So can you talk a little bit about that? Thanks a lot, Jacqueline. Um, so I first started my career out in banking and I worked for a commercial bank for a couple of years. 
And from there, something entrepreneurial about me started to kicking and I began my first business as an agropreneur. So basically I started um, raising chickens for brown table eggs. And it was all, yeah, this is through this experience where I came into contact with a lot of women um, within my community who then did not have any means to either start a business or have a form of livelihood. So I kind of created some kind of um, network within ourselves where I would be the provider for the eggs, show them the markets, a few financial literacy programs here and there, and they would go out to market. And that was uh, very good in trying to help out um, the community and the women and their children. And it was from there that I began to actually look at the idea of opening a microfinance institution. So like you rightfully said, it is very challenging in such a male-dominated industry for women to actually take up uh, just being in the microfinance space, let alone being in the tech space. So Mighty yeah. um, Finance, uh, we've been operational for the past three years now. And um, thank you. With that, we, we started on a very manual kind of um, operation basis. But then due to COVID, we were then forced to pivot and then just go full blown tech. So we're now a fintech, one of the three fintechs in Zambia, offering small uh, loans to women entrepreneurs, women-led and women-owned businesses. I love that. And, you know, a lot of times I think women entrepreneurs, we lean back on things that we aren't familiar with or it's something that was not presented to us. But you leaned in and created this, clearly this hub to help women um, in financial tech. So talk to me about the women that you have helped. Like, are, do you have any success stories or anything like that um, in terms of where, they're, where they started and where their growth is? Well, I'd love to hear about that. Sure, very heartwarming and uh, pretty much my passion um, around that. So we've had a number of women that we've um, assisted since 2021. I will pick on maybe one or two. Um, I have one particular one who we came across and she's a housewife, has two um, children under the age of five and has to depend on her husband for her livelihood and everything else. So when she came across uh, Mighty Finance, she had dreams of starting a business and there's something quite popular within our communities called uh, mobile money transfers. So you literally have a small booth and people are able to come within the community to transact with you from there. So transact to pay banks, make payments or withdrawals. And um, she started out with one of those booths and we helped her to start with that. And within the first year and a half, she had opened up three booths and she was able to take her older child to school and she's taking her uh, younger child now um, to kindergarten. And she has been so excited and that her dream has really come to pass. And she says, I'd like to own 10 more boats around um, Lusaka city. And we are working with her to actually realize that. So she has been a very remarkable you know, success story, really portraying how women do have the potential and when they have the right mentorship, the right access, they're able to actually change their livelihood and be conduits of development within their economy, their, their communities as well. 
I love it. I love that story. So she is flourishing and doing amazing work as well. That's awesome. And I think, um, you know, I've owned JMT Media. Today's actually our ninth anniversary. So by the time this is announced, people will be like, oh my gosh. But it goes by so fast. You don't realize the, the people just see the front end, right? They see the, the triumphs, the awards, the fun stuff. They don't see the like, behind the scenes the <laughs> the struggles the uh, the clarity the objections the doors being closed and mm -hmm. so i found myself um working with a lot of young minority women business owners seeking guidance very similarly to um uh to the client that you assisted with where they're seeking guidance but they're also seeking like how do you have that work-life balance um, because I myself have two children. I have an eight-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And this was their first week of school. And I am not going to lie. It was a rough one. It was rough every morning. Um, and, you know, we're used to doing daycare, the whole thing during the week. But I don't know, just something was different with a new routine, new uniforms. And um, so I tell folks all the time that a true work-life balance means that you have to have peace within your life and within your home and within your community because then you can get into your office space whether you work from home whether you have an, uh, an office space like i do a lease um, or you own your own building whatever the case may be but you have to have that peace within your place of business within your home and within your community can you talk a little bit about how you have maintained peace within your place of business, but also within your home and in your community? Sure. Um, well, peace for me um, means a lot of things. And like you've rightly you know, put it where you're looking at you being an entrepreneur and being a mom and trying to balance all that all together. For me, it starts with, with safety. I think if it's going to be at home um, or within my community where peace, a peaceful community, a peaceful home is a place that, you know, you want to be in where um, you are fear, you don't have any fear of violence or conflict, and it just contributes to your physical and mental well-being. Um, for me, it begins from there, having that peace and calm. And for my business, it's really about opportunity. I feel that, you know, trying to serve uh, women and men who 97% of them contribute to the GDP of our economy is, is really huge. They employ the masses of the country and creating an opportunity just gives them, you know, that the peace in the community gives them open doors for more opportunities for them to actually establish businesses, educational institutions and community programs where they can then build for themselves and thrive. So ideally it's um, more like, for me back when I'm home, I, I would love this environment that you know, is peaceful and my, my the children, my husband, create all that by understanding the kind of role that I then play also within the community in trying to ensure that these opportunities exist, that people can actually leverage them, hone their skills and be able to be successful you know, where they are. I also believe that when we have these opportunities and they are created within our, our businesses or our communities, we also enhance 
social cohesion. People then come together. They are stronger, they're more resilient. And when we build resilient communities, we're able to succeed and to thrive. Mm. You are, you know, I never heard the, the idea of peace, also safety, you know? Um, so I live on the North shore of Staten Island and our district attorney, uh, Michael McMahon, he is all about creating safe streets, safe communities for residences, small businesses that are thriving. And I never really thought of it that way. So I'm so glad that you, you know, that's the whole point. You talk to people yeah. that are not from the same neighborhoods as you, not maybe not the same culture as you, but you get to learn. And so I appreciate you dropping that gem because that's a huge thing that I think sometimes people take for granted. Um, it, it could be whether it's peace, whether it's uh, nourishment um, and nourishment, not just physical nourishment, but also nourishment for your, for your spirit. And so I think that was just really brilliant what you just said. I appreciate that. Um, so talk to me about where you're wanting to grow, like in the next five to 10 years, because in the three years that you've had business, you have now been featured in Forbes. You've been featured in Fortune magazine. You've been in a partnership with the NASDAQ. Like what? You've done a lot in three years. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you're looking forward to for the next three years or the next five years? Um, so for the next three years, five years, I think that's a little bit more long term. I'm looking to try and, you know, expand our solution, not just within Southern Africa, but more like within emerging markets. Um, I have come to realize that the problems that we face here in Zambia are not just common to us, but they're common to many emerging markets. And uh, the solution that we provide is one that just enables SMEs to access quick, affordable financing. And we know that SMEs are the drivers of many economies across the globe. So we are looking at um, you know, entering different markets and ensuring that our presence can actually make differences in the lives of SMEs. So that's the bigger, bigger broader picture. I love, that. I love that. Now for our listeners, can you explain what an SME is? Ah, I see. <laughs> so when I was in New York, I actually got a lot of that uh, with the acronyms and um, every moment I'm like, okay, so what does that stand for? <laughs> That's right. Every acronym. Acronyms all over the place. Yeah. So SMEs actually stand for small and medium enterprises, which would normally be referred to as small businesses. Perfect. Perfect. You know, the interesting part is um, during COVID, right? So there was um, financial support to help small businesses um, through this loan called the PPP loan. And so the term small business is literally from one employee to 499 employees. So if you have a franchise, for instance, um, you would still be considered um, a small business. So now um, we're working on helping advocate for a piece of new legislation to call it a micro small business, an MSB. So micro small businesses, as you know, are from one employees up to 10, uh, which is the majority of 
even your top 10 cities, right? Uh, New York, Miami, LA, et cetera. Within those communities themselves, there are tons of micro small businesses. It could be a coffee shop. It could be an auto mechanic shop. Um, it could be a bodega. It could be lots of different things. Um, and so by the time those federal funds were distributed for the small business, they mm -hmm. weren't able to apply for them only because you, if you have employees from one to 499 employees, more than likely you have legal counsel, you have multiple accountants on staff and micro small yeah. businesses, they don't have access to that. Um, and so that's a piece of legislation that I'm actively pursuing to help advocate for small businesses uh, because I saw it time and time again that a lot of micro small businesses didn't even, by the time the application came out, by the time mm -hmm. they got around to doing the application, whether it's two or three days later, the money had been gone. And so they didn't have a chance to really even apply and to assist, you know, their small business, especially as they were facing challenges during the pandemic. And so, you know, as a small business owner and as be um, you always want to make sure that you're being proactive for future generations because it may not be something that will affect me now but it'll definitely affect generations after me and so you know the backbone of america i'm sure africa is really small businesses and the communities within those small businesses to support them um, and even in texas where i'm from and my my grandmother who passed away, who's Native American, everything relies on your community, sharing resources, sharing information, um, because that's how the communities continue to grow and thrive. And so, you know, I'm just kind of taking it a step further into the like legal realm <laughs> and the regal uh, realm um, to make sure that everybody does have an opportunity to have that financial freedom. I don't even want to say the American dream, but financial freedom to be able to grow and do what they want to do that gives them passion and purpose, you know? Sure. So, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my last question to you, so I've been asking all of my guests when we close out their podcast episode. So if there were two pieces of advice for you to give any entrepreneur, it doesn't have to be a young entrepreneur, an older entrepreneur. If you could give two pieces of advice uh, for any entrepreneur, what would it be? Two pieces of advice for an entrepreneur. Um, I think number one would be passion. Mm. If you're gonna be an entrepreneur, small or big, you must be passionate about what you do. You must be passionate about the problem. You must be even more passionate about the solution. Um, there are times where we do business because we know how it's done. We know how to do it. But ideally, if you add passion to it, it makes you more resilient. It makes you, you know, better able to stand and face the weather, even whether it's good, whether it's bad. Um, when you have a passion, you then appeal to many people who would be a large network that you can tap from, you can tap into to be able to learn, to grow. And so for me, passion is a really, really big driver. And um, I would urge an entrepreneur to, to have that. The second thing would be work-life balance. Mm. I think we, we, we've talked a lot about this, but I don't think we talk or implement it enough. 
I'm an entrepreneur. And like you said, the past three years, there's so much that has happened. And yes, a lot of people could, you know, see the successes. But like you alluded to earlier on, there have been pitfalls. There have been downtimes. There have been times when I've been completely broken, completely lost, where regulation, whether it's the business operations, everything just comes crumbling in and it's all in your face and there's nothing you can do about it. And that takes a serious toll on one. So really being able to just identify when you need to stop, to identify when to ask for help, to identify what is it that is best for you. Also be able to say no. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we say yes to everything. Every program, every interview, everybody who's asking for your help, you just say yes and yes, and it will drain you. So it is very, very important that we take care of ourselves, we take care of our health and our mental health and passionate with our business, we will be successful entrepreneurs. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful to have had you on this podcast. You've dropped so many jewels. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours, but we're, you know, we got to conclude the, the episode. You have been a real inspiration, not just for myself, and I know for a fact for our listeners and viewers, um, I wish you nothing but the best of success from over here, small town, Staten Island, um, to your beautiful home in Africa with the rest of your community. So thank you so much. And for those of you that are tuning in, we will drop information down below in the comments. Um, stay tuned for another episode of the JMT Media Podcast Season 4, where we talk all about having peace within your community and within your home to make you thrive as a business owner. Thanks so much and appreciate everything. Have a great Thank one. You. I appreciate. Thank you so much. Bye. Absolutely. Bye, love.